heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 15th of September. A very good morning to everybody listening to us uh, through 4SB in Kingaroy. 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, good morning to you. Wooshka.com is where you can catch up on any of our latest shows. Uh, Rural Queensland Today uh, with Ben Dobbin. You can almost get in contact with me, ben.dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. So much to get through this morning. Shane Snow from the Fisheries uh, Queensland Seafood Industry will join us. And Mark Fern has done a despicable thing with Spanish mackerel. I'm going to get to that shortly. Mike Gearin joins us. We'll catch up with Anthony Highland and Simon Gleeson recaps what was a huge day yesterday at the Droughtmaster Nationals. A record price, $220,000. we will get to that as well. Let's get into it, though. Shane Snow from the Vice President of the Queensland Seafood Industry Association, one of the directors of the Green Shirts, joins us next. Uh, Spanish mackerel. It's a huge issue in the seafood industry, and you will not believe what Mark Ferner did yesterday. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. It is Thursday morning, the 15th of September. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Mike Gearin, the Ag Force uh, CEO, will join us very shortly. We'll also catch up with Anthony Highland and Simon Gleeson as well after recapping what was a huge day yesterday for the Droughtmaster Nationals. Uh, I'm going to start with one of the board of directors of the Green Church, but the Vice President of the Queensland Seafood Industry Association, Shane Snow. He joins us this morning. Shane, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us on this Thursday morning, mate. Pleasure to be here, mate. Okay, you've been a fisherman your whole life. With the stroke of a pen yesterday, Mark Ferner, the Agricultural and Fisheries Minister, announced a cut of 80% existing Spanish mackerel quota for commercial fishing. This is like getting someone's livelihood and burning it in front of your face. I cannot believe that this has happened. The seafood industry has copped nothing but absolute dreadful behaviour from the Labor government. I think in the last seven years it has been horrific, but this could be one of the worst. Firstly, what was their reasoning for cutting this quota by to 80%? What, why would they 80% of the existing Spanish mackerel quota for commercial feeding for commercial fishermen has been cut? I cannot understand that. The, their reasoning was that the, uh, the science backed their decision. <clears throat> now, we've, we've farmed that science out, the so-called stock assessment. We've farm that out to well-respected scientists globally, and they have poked holes in it everywhere. We've discovered data omission. We've discovered creative accounting with the data. Uh, you've got two user groups that, that catch Spanish mackerel as well as other species, which is commercial, commercially caught and recreational. Um, I'm definitely not having a crack at the recreational sector, but the thing is we've only got verifiable data from one user group, which is commercial. Uh, we've asked for uh, recreational reporting, things like that, to get a better understanding of what another user group is catching. None of that has been forthcoming. It, it appears that uh, the minister doesn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. In my personal opinion, I would say he would be frightened of the voter backlash. Yes, of course. Uh, the, the, the anecdotal evidence and the citizen science which we see we see every day on the water. The Spanish mackerel stocks, particularly in the last three years, they are extremely healthy. We're seeing huge numbers of fish 
turn up in areas that they haven't been for the last 10 years. And what we've got to understand with Spanish mackerel, they are the fastest growing commercial species that we've got. They go from egg production to minimum legal size, which is 75 centimetres or 2 foot 6 in the old school. And that happens in two years. And first sexual production in two years. So they're breeding, they, uh, they're breeding up. They're breeding up. Oh, in, incredibly well. And then the, and the, the kicker to that story is that the major aggregation spawning areas, Fisheries Queensland closed them when they introduced quota in 2004. Now, when they do the stock assessments, yeah, they, don't, they get... don't go and assess those areas. Hang on. Hang because... on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, let's just unpack. They've closed areas off where they believe that the – and yet when they go <laughs> – they did that for breeding to try and get them, but they won't go and assess those areas and look at them to, to factor them into the stocking rates and how the, how the numbers are. Exactly right. When we pressed them on that, the reasoning was, well, they're green zones and you cannot fish in there anyway, so what's the point of us assessing it? Oh, my God. Isn't that ludicrous? Oh, my God. Now, um, when they closed uh, those areas in 2004, that was around about 72 to 74% of the commercial take used to come out of those areas. Oh, my God. That is ludicrous. It's, it's, it's not even believable, mate. How frustrated are you? Beyond words, to be honest with you, and I'm I'm more gutted for my fellow fishermen in the industry. You know, we've we've seen the the continual gaslighting and the vilification of our industry, death by a thousand cuts, over the years since the net free zones uh, were introduced into uh, Central Queensland, Mackay and Cairns. We've seen people that have suicided in our industry, young people, yep. through the stress that created. We've got people on suicide watch right now. We've seen the breakdown of the, the family unit, the you know, husbands, wives, partners, things like that. This is just complete gaslighting of our industry. At the stroke of a pen, you can have your asset, your quota asset, which the minister guaranteed us. This will give you tenure. This will give you a tradable asset. This will give you collateral. He just devalued it yesterday at the stroke of a pen. By 80%. So in, in, in real terms, if you owned a million dollars worth of quota yesterday morning, come quarter to one yesterday afternoon, it was worth $200,000. Did, he, did older, he have a chat to anybody at all about this? No. No, no I, I rang numerous members of the charter industry, game fishing industry, um, recreational representatives. Um, I rang and messaged numerous people in those sectors and not one person, all commercial, not one person was given the courtesy of a heads up of the axe about to drop on your neck. Not one person. So that goes to show you the contempt that this minister has got for all the fishing sectors. Mark Fernan needs to be held accountable for this because, I mean, and he's not the first He's not the first cowboy to pull the, the wool under uh, the fishing industries. I mean, we've had... The whole beacon industry we've had where they, they needed repeaters. We've seen countless quotas being shut. Can I ask your honest opinion? And, and I mean, fishermen, the bottom line what people don't realise is you need fish for a living. You need to catch fish for a living. So you want them it to be plentiful. In your honest opinion, and I mean this straight up, is there an issue, is there a shortage and is there a lack of – a lack of fish out there at the moment for you? No, definitely not completely the opposite. Um, as, I, as I started before, 
Spanish mackerel are the fastest going, growing, maturing commercial fish we've got at two years. They reach minimum legal size. We go back in time three years ago, we had an incredible spawning recruitment. We are seeing those fish come through now this year, and they're around that, that sort of six to seven kilo age bracket. Now, they, they are a smaller fish. Yes, they're commercial size. Uh, they're, they're easily harvested, but a lot of the fishermen stay away from where those small fish are aggregated yep. and they target the bigger fish. Well, so what, that gives them another year want. or two spawning. You want that, don't you? Because you want exactly them all right. in it. Like it makes sense. Exactly right. I would rather catch, you know, 10 fish at 15 kilos each than have to catch 30 fish at 5 kilos each. You catch less for more, work smarter, not harder. And probably the best conservationist you can get on the water as the majority fishing. of your commercial fishermen, yeah. we, we need to look after ourselves. I've got another 20 years in the game, and we need to look after ourselves. And, and this, you know, this fairy tale that the, the mackerel stocks have plummeted to 17%. If we go back a year or a year and a half ago when they were using the stock modelling that they've always used, it was guesstimated that between 40 and 70%. So they all of a sudden use this new stock modelling and they say, geez, it's down to 17%. Where, you know, recreational charter, um, game fishing and commercial are not seeing it on the water. It's completely the opposite. I, I put up a Facebook post on a recreational site, well, it'd be six months ago, and I said, I said, boys and girls, show us your brag photos of mackerel, Spanish mackerel, um, what you've caught, and general locality. Well, the photographs and the comments that came in was overwhelming. And photos don't lie. Yeah, I bet. And that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, This is a really disappointing day um, for the fishing industry. We're going to try and challenge Mark Ferner on this because if they're using science, they've done this in the in the beef industry. They use science for legislation, and it and and that science is just an opinion. They're not seeking consultation of anybody else who can actually give it. How much will this? How much damage long term does this? Like, does this wipe people's businesses out overnight? Yes, devastating, mate. The, the guts of it is a close to 80% reduction in your quota holdings. Now, a simple equation, if, if you generally catch 10 tonne of fish a year, now all of a sudden you'll be down to two tonne quota holdings. So you need to buy your business back. You need to accumulate another eight tonne. So if you're, if you're reduced by 80%, to get that eight tonne, you actually have to go and buy 40 tonne. Because by the time you take 80% out, yeah. 32 tonne, that leaves you eight. Now, if you can find that quota, if you can find it, 40 tonne, that's going to cost you skywards of, of $500,000. And for elderly fishing people who saw this as their superannuation plan, can't do it. got half a million dollars sitting in the bank. Who's going who's to shell that out now when it can be devalued even more at the stroke of a pen? Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time. Unbelievable. No worries, we, we'll Shane Snow, thank you for being with us this morning, Vice President of the Queensland Seafood Industry Association. We will cut, stay on this for you, mate, because this is a appalling decision. Uh, thank you for being with us. We'll, we'll come back to you again shortly. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thank you. We'll take a break, come back. Uh, Simon Gleeson up next, Mike Gearin, not far away, rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, it was a fantastic day for the Droughtmaster breed on day two of their national sale at Gracemere. As records fell from start to finish, it was quite unbelievable. Day two saw 195 bulls sold for an average of 20,625. 
rounding out the overall total sale of 402 bulls uh, sold of the 439 to average 17,417 to gross in excess of $7 million. CEO of the Drought Master Society is Simon Gleeson. We spoke to him yesterday. He's a regular on the show. Mate, thank you for being with us, but boy, oh, boy, what, what a cracking result. And the fact is that there was a, uh, a, a Australian record yesterday with a bull making uh, $220,000, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, look, Dobbo, thanks for having me on again. And, um, yeah, it was a phenomenal day yesterday. And I think I said to you the day before, you know, we did expect um, some big results. There were some good runs of bulls coming through. And, um, yeah, to get a, an Australian record with uh, a $220,000 bull was was unbelievable. But um, I think also, too, there were six bulls that sold it within excess of um, $100,000. So, um, so unbelievable result for the breed. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Um, the, the major highlight, obviously, was Oasis A, Long John, uh, who sold for 220000 to the Carrington family of Rondell Drought Masters in Winton. Now, uh, this was on behalf, this bull was offered on behalf of the Geddes family. Um, they also sold, the Geddes family sold a bull for 120000 to Simmons Cattle Company in Claremont and sold one to the McKenzie family. For one hundred and thirty thousand, so they had a fair day out, didn't they? Uh, the Getty family. What about their average? Sixteen, sixteen bulls offered average forty four thousand one hundred eighty seven, the best of the sale. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge average for them. Massive. It's a massive average. I mean, it's a credit to them. They had a, an exceptional lineup of bulls, but um, you know, there's a number of other studs, and I don't want to miss any. But um, you know, Ninda Thunder had some good, a uh, good average. Summer Stud had a good average. Um, Rondell obviously had a good average as well, and, and Oasis. Yeah, so um, so yeah, they, they all had good drafts of bulls, and, and I think you know there's a real shortage, as I mentioned the day before, of um, bulls and, yeah, at the moment, and um, the demand was certainly there for the good ones. Yeah, you're right. Rondell had a uh, stale average of thirty three thousand six hundred and sixty six with their twenty four bulls. Yeah, I mentioned to McKenzie families sold you know lot a lot for ninety thousand. You know, they had unbelievable. They averaged 24,000 for their 16 bulls. So, I mean, there was a lot of very, very good sales. All in all, um, you must be terribly proud. I understand there's some more sales coming. You've got Roma and there's Glenlands and there's a few sales. But to average 17,417 for a 91% clearance with an upstart, you know, that you had is quite unbelievable, mate. It is. Look, and I suppose too, Dobbo, in our 60th year, you know, celebrating our 60th anniversary, it's great to have those sort of results. And, you know, we look back three years ago to where the sale was and, and where it is now. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think we grossed just over $3 million, uh, with more bulls in this this particular sale. And, you know, yesterday we grossed $6.9 million, um, with less bulls. So um, it's a real, you know, in three years, it's amazing how far that sale's come. Yeah, were you surprised at that top price, mate? Obviously, there was a lot of talk about it. Were you surprised that it got to that? I wasn't surprised. No, I, I you know, I just sort of thought that it would get to that from what I'd heard. But um, to go over two hundred thousand, I was, I was starting to get surprised. But I think, you know, the Rondell bull. I mean, he was a very, very good bull, and I mean, to get to one hundred and eighty, and that was the previous record for our breed, um, set ten years ago by by Glenlands bull. Um, you know, that, that surprised me, you know, to, for two bulls to get that high um, within the sale was amazing. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Uh, a huge result, mate. Congratulations. Now where to, 
obviously you've got Roma, Roma, you've got that Roma sale in Glenlands, and obviously, you know, you've got Clonara. There's a few private sales still to come. Yeah, there is look, there's a, there's a big lineup of private sales. Um, Glenlands is obviously next week, and um, look, there'll be some very very good prices come out of that. There's some un- unbelievable bulls going through that sale, and and look, there's a number of other private sales that are, are coming up. Um, with good bulls and um, obviously from a society point of view, yes, we have Roma in October and um, we're looking forward to that. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know what it's like. It's a busy time of year this year yeah. well, during sales season. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. Great average at the Droughtmaster sale. Congratulations. Um, and obviously there was other sales throughout the uh, week um, and there were some huge sales as well. But this one tops it for the Droughtmasters. Well done. Uh, thank you, mate. We'll talk to you in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Dobbo. Thanks for having me again. Really appreciate your time. And, and look, we should mention that was absolutely huge for the Droughtmaster National Sale to see an average on day two of 20,000. Overall, huge n- numbers to average close on 17,000 um, for 402 bulls sold out of the 439 uh, to, to gross over $7 million, clearance rate of 91%. Massive, massive, massive shot in the arm for the breed. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. AgForce CEO is Mike Gearant. Uh, he's a very good friend of this show and a regular on here. He joins us this morning. Michael, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning, Dubbo. Good to be here. Uh, so much going on. Um, and we're going to get to a few topics, obviously, this morning, but the big one, um, a good news story, AgForce has unveiled a new website that shines the spotlight on the true potential of Queensland's sheep and goat industries. Now, this is one of the growth areas that you guys have identified in the last couple of years, um, obviously predominantly being beef numbers, but that goat industry and, and with cluster fencing, um, the sheep industry is starting to gain some momentum again and, and you guys have identified that. Yes, it's a great news story, Dobby, not only for production of food and fibre, um, in the way we do it in Queensland, but for jobs in regional Queensland as well. The sheep industry in particular is a big employer around shearers and et cetera. And Queensland used to be a, an enormous producer of sheep uh, and wool uh, back in the days. And we believe we can get back there. The landscape suit uh, sheep production, um, you know, the vast landscape for the cluster fencing going in, uh, the sheep industry is coming back. Whether it will come jobs, whether it will come production of wool uh, and meat, and alongside that, in what we call a small animals industry, um, goats are becoming a real winner for Queensland. Uh, the meat is sought around the world. Uh, we export some 95% of the goat meat we grow in Queensland. We can't meet the demand. Other uh, landscapes suit goats. And in fact, goats are very complementary to sheep. So within the small animals industry, being sheep and goats, there's an enormous upside and it will create those jobs. It will create that food and fibre uh, that we take for granted, which is locally grown, supports better environmental outcomes, etc. So good news all around. And one of the ways we're trying to promote that and tell that story and attract people into Queensland to have a go in the series is through the new website, um, through the Force main page. Yeah, that's a great news story. And, and it is, an, look, we obviously know where the real strength in Queensland is, but this has been identified, you know, not only by yourselves but other industry um, leaders that, that there is so much growth to happen here and, and it is becoming a real part of our um, – a real part of what we do in the agricultural sector here in Queensland. Um, mate, I understand everybody and I, I completely get this that there's obviously been confidentiality agreements 
side about this environmental discussions that are going on around this legislation. Can I ask how it is going and how those discussions are taking place? Yes, this is a, probably one of the most important conversations for industry at the moment. We have, AgForce has and industry has for the last couple of years uh, worked very closely with the current Queensland government on a number of things. And what we see here with some confidential conversations is the government inviting us in to have a conversation about a concern they have or thought they have around legislative requirements, et cetera, before they draft the first draft of that legislation and before the normal public consultation, which remains in place. And before the last couple of years, our suspicion is other groups that are less friendly to farming, like the WWF may have got in and had those early conversations and shaped that draft legislation in a way we couldn't reverse through the normal public consultation process. So what we've seen here is the government invite us in earlier to have a conversation which will shape the form of that draft legislation for the normal public consultation process which has not been removed. So in good faith, we've entered those conversations uh, and we believe if it's as the government says, and we have no reason not to believe them on this, it will allow industry to contribute more strongly to the important things that need consideration in changing legislation. We've had some tough encounters and we've had some legislation that's not good for agriculture, not good for the environment, you know, reef vegetation, the things we've often talked about, where we haven't been there early enough. In the, what's called the Environmental Protection and Other Legislation Bill, which is the, the omnibus bill that's been put together, We've been able to sit in there earlier and talk to them about our concerns about the current legislation, describe the way agriculture can actually contribute to the environment and already is. Describe, for example, the role of ruminant animals in carbon sequestration and therefore seek to have the draft bill in a different format when it comes through to that public consultation. Mike, the concerns we're getting, and we're getting mail from different people, and there's been some shift towards from the government that they're trying to control stocking rates on country. Have you guys had discussions at all about that? Like that, Because that, no. that's very concerning for me that, that, that there's talk that there's legislation going to come in around stocking rates on people's land. I can answer it very simply, Dobbo. The answer is no. There has been none of those conversations. Um, and, you know, we have been talking confidentially about changes uh, across a number of pe- pieces of legislation through the Apollo Bill but we have not had any conversation about controlling stocking rates. And the people that are keep spreading that rumour around are mischievous at best, Dobbo. Those conversations have not been had. And indeed, if Ag Force was asked to consider legislation that controlled stocking rates, we would have a very strong opinion about that because sure. we represent the growers of Queensland uh, and it would be wrong. But for those why is it? Why do you think it, wrong, Mike? I appreciate you clarifying that. But why do you think if it's all so open-handed, and they're going to do the right thing, and I, and I, we can only go off, you know, what they say? Why does it have to be confidential? What, what? Why is that? Why is the need for confidentiality? Why they do this? That's what I. I don't understand, and and, and I question, and, and you might have a, a a perfectly good answer for this, and I understand. I think it's unbelievable that Ag Force are at the table why this is on, but I always go, well, if it if it's so wonderful and it's so great, why then is it so confidential? Yes, and that's a very good question, Dobo. The way I would answer that is to say we seem to have made a significant step forward 
by being in the room earlier, having a conversation that can better inform the draft of that bill. And once you have a draft bill, you can move it around the edges, but you can't fundamentally shift the direction that that bill's heading in. So I don't necessarily disagree that anything in confidence means the community doesn't feel they're involved in something they'd like to be. I don't disagree with that. But let's recognise what's happened here. What's happened here is AgForce has been invited in much earlier to the conversation, and therefore, if we have legitimate issues to put on the table and suggestions to make for an industry that has such an amazing future, we can have a bigger influence early in the drafting of that legislation. So it's a good step forward. But, you know, confidential conversations always frustrate others who would like to be involved. I acknowledge that, but it is a big step forward, and that's the really important thing to recognise here. Mike Gearin joining us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Pretty significant uh, situations going on around the world. Globally, are you concerned there is a real shift towards um, trying to penalise agriculture? And I talk about the goings-on in New Zealand. I know what Canada are trying to do. There is some concern um, on a world stage that we are up against it with all this emissions um, and trying to get to zero net emissions. And that's the big, big concern that we could pay and the producer, the person who provides the food for the nation, might end up being the scapegoat. Yeah, this links directly to the conversation we've just had, Dobbo. There are things happening globally which are really quite concerning for agriculture. We know agriculture contributes significantly to lowering emissions. In Australia, agriculture has been the industry that has delivered for the broader Australian community that reduction in emissions that we talk so proudly about. It's agriculture that's done it. Nobody else has done it. As we said before, AgForce and industry are now at the table with the government earlier on in important conversations. And that has never been more critical because, as you say, around the globe, there are things happening that just don't make sense. If you care about the globe, you can care about the you know, biodiversity, environment, the emissions, etc. because agriculture plays such a positive part. Over and above that, Dobber, the really important thing to remember as Australians is the Australian agriculture industry is unique in the globe. We have a far vaster landscape than most countries. So a lot of rangelands grazing, ruminant animals that contribute to the carbon cycle through the way they, you know, the ruminant animal works. Um, examples everywhere where agriculture is contributing strongly. No-till, um, um, no-till operations on um, cropping enterprises, etc. There are a number of things. So being at the table earlier with the government talking about the enormous positive contribution we can make is critical uh, because we cannot have the punitive taxes that have come on overseas and expect young people to continue to invest in the industry with such confidence because they see that punitive tax coming across. There's been a great example recently where we worked for two years with the Queensland State Government on what they call their low emissions roadmap. Yep. They are keen to find a path to lower emissions to support the, bu- the broader community interest in doing so. And we have sat with them for two years and explained the part that agriculture can play and therefore we have a positive role to play. They know that. We're not going to be legislated to reduce emissions. We're going to be incentivized to reduce emissions by co-designing a low emissions roadmap pathway, which is now out uh, in the public and then working uh, to deliver that through new technologies, through innovation, through all the things we do so well in agriculture. 
So to have a very different path going forward is critical. Those early conversations are being had, which is great news, but you watch what's going on overseas, and thank goodness we have a government that's sitting down and working with us. Thank goodness we have that co-design and collaboration approach to these issues, because two things will happen. One, we won't get those punitive taxes, and therefore, two, we'll make a bigger contribution as agriculture, not only to climate and emissions, but the productivity to jobs, to growth, and to rural communities and regional communities, to the reef, et cetera, et cetera. So a very yeah. important moment and a chance to do it very differently. Yeah, well said. Now, mate, Monday's a pretty significant day. Um, our current president, um, Georgie Somerset, has done a, a phenomenal job and – Obviously, she's now been challenged in the election by Will Wilson. This is obviously – it's an uncomfortable situation in the sense that you've got two really good people both challenging for the top job. Either way, there can only be one winner. How does AgForce go about in making this announcement come Monday? So 10 a.m. next Tuesday, actually, Dobbo. Oh, it's Tuesday. It's being, an, yeah, yes, right. it's being announced. Yeah, it's going to be announced by media release, but just before that at 10 a.m. next Tuesday through the weekly newsletter to members will announce the outcome. But can I say, Dob, as one of the staff who work for this industry and who are so proud to work for this industry, to have at any one time so many Queensland producers stepping into different elected roles, yep. giving so incredibly of their time for no compensation when they're trying to run their own businesses as well, is what holds AgForce in such good stead and what makes such a big difference to industry. Yeah, really and agree the with biggest, that. The, the biggest role with the most commitment is the general president's role. So... We have two great people prepared to give so much of their time and energy and emotion to their industries through that general president's role. It's created a real energy in the voting process, um, and we have the luxury in Queensland of two great leaders, and whatever happens next Tuesday, we'll have a great leader taking this organisation forward and supporting and advocating for industry through the ways that we do that. Uh, and we'll have the other person who will remain a powerful leader in industry doing different things. I know that of those two. They're not going to go back to their property and just produce. They're going to continue to contribute so generously because that's what they do. That's the nature of these two people. I wish them well. Um, I wish there's two spots, Dobbo, because yeah. they're great people. There's only yeah, one. Right. But the other one's not going to walk away with a bat and ball, Dobbo. That's the good news about this. Next Tuesday at 10 a.m., we announce who who the uh, members have elected. We might try and talk to you on Wednesday to get a better gauge on that. And look, you, you, you said it right. Both are unbelievable candidates and both have done and made significant contributions to the agricultural industry um, and both very selfless in, in their work and, and tireless in, in, in making it better for everybody. Appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks so much, mate. We'll catch up again next week. Thanks for being with Thanks, us this Robert. morning as usual. Appreciate your time. Thank you. We'll take Bye -bye. a break. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Thursday morning, the 15th of September. Rural Queensland today. Let's head to the Dolby cattle market yesterday. Um, a, a tick over 2,500 there yesterday. Anthony Highland, Grant Daniel Long, St George joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks, Ben. Morning to you. And, um, yeah, another good market. Uh, a limited, you know, a limited yarding, uh, basically, with the, with the weather and, it looks like it's only going to get wetter and wetter and wetter for the back back end of the year. So, good, uh, you know, very good prices, and um, let's get into it, mate. Uh, prime cattle, obviously, very strong once again. Where was that market at? Yeah, it it, it grew again. Um, then weeks on weeks, it just just keeps rolling together. And and um, this week we saw our fat cows get uh, you know over the four hundred cent bracket again. Uh, it's taken a long time to get back over there. 
um, but we've you know they've finally done it this week. So back up to four hundred and eight cents for the lady of fat cows. Um, you know, but a very it was better. Um, probably five or six cents dear on the average from last week, and probably thought it, it just might have found its, its its happy playing field that cow market. But it just seems to you know it's grown and it's grown again. So look out next week. Yeah, it's a really it's a really buoyant and great news story about the cow job. Was there any prime bullocks there, mate? Not a lot on offer, but what was there again? It was it it's um, very similar to last week. I mean, there haven't been realistically any any runs of bullocks uh, offered in the market, and um, they're they're basically saying where they're at purely on supply. Um, so if they find a big heavy fat cow off the crop that looks like a bullock, well, they're probably going to hang that up as a bullock at the moment. So. Um, but yeah, four thirty, four forty for a for a, a big heavy older bullock. Your younger bullocks are um, certainly stronger than that. Um, late four dollars for, for your better younger bullocks, but um, just not seen a lot of them, Ben. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Uh, trade heifers and, and cattle to feed. That market's been in a window at the moment. Does it crank back up again? It still seems to be in that window a bit, Ben. But it it's dearer. Um, We've been waiting a we've been waiting a long time for this Christmas period um, cattle on days on feed and killing into Christmas and whatnot to disappear. So hopefully we can find some consistency in this heavy feeder market. But um, yeah, we saw a couple of uh, feedlotters last week go to four dollars eighty in the paddock. We've seen the the uh, the big the big hitters go to four eighty this week now. Last as of last night. Um, so hopefully we've we've seen a, a bit of a turn now as we speak with the. The physical market, Ben. There are feeders, you know, four twenty kilos. A lighter feeder, trade feeder, four twenty kilos. Um, certainly, excess of five dollars and, and up to late five dollars, realistically, if they get on the right side. But um, the heavy export feeders are still somewhere between a four dollars forty and four dollars seventy five or eighty in the market for you. For you know, I'm talking heavy feeders. For you know, four eighty to five twenty kilos a little bit um, hard to read it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that you've got to try and, and work out where that is. Now, the store job, firing as usual, mate. Yeah, well, it, if, you, if we can't work out the feeder job, we can't work out the store job. It's just lit right up again. It's fantastic, Ben. Uh, $7.50 and 60 for steers all day there uh, in, in a lot of places for the quality calves and quality-related prices. You'll, you'll see a market report there. There's a few cattle back in under in, in some lower end of money, but it was certainly quality related um look ben uh, uh, from 200 kilos through to 300 kilos the average price was six dollars 90 there uh, yesterday um your heaviest steers to return to the paddock at five dollars uh, 70 and 80 and six dollars and and what have you but a lot of cattle seven dollars plus heifers um yeah going well quality was hard to pick and choose from there, but um, still very, very strong. Way to have is over six dollars uh, for your quality, and um, just uh, they just keep lining up. Yeah, they certainly do, and and isn't that awesome? Um, there's just so much to like about what's going on in that job, mate. So is is the concern now that there is not the numbers going to come if it starts to get proper wet? Well, I, I suppose uh, it, it, it that is most certainly there. We've. The amount of cattle that, or the amount of crop and oats that's been about for cattle to feed off, it's it, it's been there for a long time this season, and and I don't know, you'd, you'd like to think that uh, some more cattle may have turned up back on the market from you know steers we bought last year and this year, but they haven't turned up yet, and 
Um, but cow numbers here are still low. If it rains again, uh, I don't think we'll have any more, basically any more cows to go by the end of the year. If it rains again, it's just, it'll be nearly physically impossible and, and um, to get everything done for that. So I, I imagine there's a lot of people in the same boat. There's still plenty of time. I mean, we're, we're middle of September, but if it rains again next week and rains again again, we'll, uh, to when the, you know, these processes might want to wind up, um, you know, middle of December or, or thereabouts, well, it doesn't give us a whole lot of time to really work a lot out at the end of the day. No, it certainly doesn't. Mate, talk to me, uh, and obviously you're in the district and it's St George and Boulogne, but the, to me, and, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Cubby Station fiasco and the dam. What what do we know? Is everything all right out there? Everything seems to be very quiet. Uh, it's probably quiet. They're, they're a fantastic um, company and fantastic contributor to the community. So I imagine... You know, it's not the first. It's not the first dam to let go, and it won't be the last one, and it won't be something that can be spoken about. But then I'll I'll say that um, from what I know, or what some parts of the community know, run down there is fine. They're they're um, fixing the the wall and wanting to get the water back um, back in the dam. Um, probably just one of those um, double whammies of the, the the serious wet weather we have had, and um, some extra water flowing in and. And whether we can't control, well, it's um, something's going to happen. But the community itself down there will get behind Cubby, and you know, Cubby support um, everyone in the community. They do a lot for us, so I'm sure uh, a lot of people down there trying to give them a hand as well. Yeah, um, unreal. Um, but I, I don't know any more than that, Bennett. Just a, a, a let go of a dam, but as I say, it's not the not the first one. Won't be the last, and hopefully they can get everything back on track. Yeah, um, and, and I think I think that's what everybody would hope for, mate. You got a big clearing sale coming up. Talk to us about that. Yeah, uh, Barry Smith Transport, Ben, uh, been in Deer and Bandy uh, and a big contributor to Cubby uh, in the in the Greater Queensland community. Barry Smith, he's um, he's finishing up in his trucks and uh, trailers and and what have you. So we've got uh, inspection days this Friday and Saturday at Deer and Bandy. That's uh, called the BSP clearing sale. You might see it on Imparja and here on the radio, but that deer and bandy uh, inspections Friday and Saturday. Everything's there. It's also all the items are listed up there on auction exchange with Chris Norris. It's all up there and live. Uh, auction to kick off on the 22nd of September and finish on the 26th, Ben. So you know, a bit of an end of an error. And, um, yeah, Barry Smith Transport uh, Fleet Dispersal. It's on. Unbelievable. Appreciate that. So where should people go? Auction Exchange to have a look online for the listings. That's it. They'll, they'll find it with, with, with GDL. They'll, they'll find a link with us and they'll and they'll find all the the, uh, the catalogue up there on Auction Exchange right now, auctionexchange.com.au. Appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, uh, thank you for your complete update and we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Ben. You have a good week. Thank you. Rural Queensland today. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, We will keep you updated as the sales continue throughout the course of the week. Have a great day. Remember when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock, and we will talk to you again tomorrow morning from nine. Ray Hadley joins you next. Till next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now.